Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Simon Kadich played 56 tests for his country, 45 ODIs as well. And conveniently for us this morning, Kane, he made his name as an opening bat. He now, of course, does some fine work behind the mic for us right here at SEN. Simon, welcome along. Great to have you. Good morning, guys. Well, after all the conjecture, we're nearly there. And if the reports are correct, the great Steve Smith is about to embark on a big role change with the bat or cut right to the chase, Simon. Is is it the right call? Well, I felt that um, Cameron Green would get the nod. I'm not sure whether he's going to be in that squad or not. But, um, yeah, look, if, if Steve Smith's put his hand up for it, he's obviously the, the best credentialed player in that lineup to um, to take on a new ball. I mean... When he had a little bit of a lull a couple of years ago, you know, batting at four, the, the engine room up top were doing the job, and it looked like he, he found it hard coming in when we were probably, you know, two for 300, mm. particularly against the West Indies last year and a couple of years ago against Pakistan when they toured. So, look, if he's up to it and it gives him a new challenge, then, yeah, I've certainly got no issue with it because um, he finds a way to adapt to different roles. And the thing about it, I think, is... You know, you have to bat at some stage. It's just obviously when you're batting in the middle order, you come out against maybe a 20 or 30 overall ball. Whereas when you're opening, you're out there right from the word go and you get straight into it. So at least you know when you're batting. And I found from experience that you actually um, use less nervous energy sitting around waiting to bat because if you win the toss and bat, you know you're straight out there and get into it. And you know you've got a job to do to lay a foundation for the team. And that's something that, you know, Steve Smith's done for so many years batting at four. Um, but if he's keen to do it in the hierarchy, if it's the right move, then uh, I've got no issue with it. And we see, Kat, uh, sometimes runs are easier to come by when you open because fields are aggressive, the ball is hard. And if one thing he struggled a little bit with, it's his strike rate and he hasn't been that fluent with his batting. Do you think that could be an upside for him as well? Yeah, look, there's no doubt the whole dynamic's different because teams and opposition captains are very reluctant to start with one slip and, you know, when you've got a brand new ball, whereas you're always confronted with three slips in a gully and, and maybe a short leg, and, and you've got these attacking fielders, which, you know, if the bowler gets it wrong, you've got all these great scoring opportunities. And, you know, we saw that in the way David Warner played for so long at the top of the order. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason why Steve Smith can't adapt. Um, yes, he's had, you know, a quieter summer, but he's still got starts pretty much in all the test matches. He just hasn't converted. And that's probably the, the change we're seeing with Steve Smith is that he's had to work harder for his run because teams have come up with better plans to him. And then, uh, you know, he hasn't quite had that rhythm with his hands and his feet, which is a huge part of his batting. So much debate, so much written and um, said, Simon, in recent times around the future of Test cricket and, and how many countries are actually invested or, or at least able to uh, 
to execute and um, and perform over the course of you know four and five days at, at a high level to provide competitive matches. The debate over the length of test series, we are talking about it earlier before you joined us, and maybe four days could be a way to go. Do we keep it at five? I mean, how do you see the bigger picture of, of the longest format of the game? Yeah, look, I've got concerns like a lot of people have, um, particularly you know, particularly when you see some of the nations not put, uh, putting their best team out in the park, and we're obviously going to see that with South Africa coming up. Although saying that, you know, the team that got resold the other day by India um, was their best team, and yet the team that comes out in New Zealand, who knows, they might all be hungry and keen to grab their opportunity playing for South Africa. So you just never know in this game. But the, the concern I have is that... Um, you know, there's a big gap between the top couple of teams now and, and you know, going down to sort of 8, 9, 10. Uh, the World Test Championship's providing context, but it's still not, you know, even because it's quite skewed when you look at the amount of tests certain countries are playing in the World Test cycle. And I mean, Pakistan, a great example, only play another nine tests now until 2025, which is just not enough for a, a good, young, developing team. If you look at the last two tests in particular, um, Boxing Day and Sydney, two great test matches. So... If teams are playing in the right fashion, which I think the, the modern players are, then you know the players are, are going to keep Test cricket alive if the top ones are prepared to play it and not um, forego Test cricket for the riches of T20. And w- w- our guys are great examples of that. I mean, no better example than say Mitchell Stark or even Davy Warner in the past, and you know these sorts of guys that can do both. But Mitchell Stark's a great example. He's only just going back to the IPL after about six hiatus and he's prioritised test cricket so um, yeah hopefully hopefully you know the, what we're seeing is it's still yes it's test cricket but a lot of them are only going four days anyway so I don't know whether they have to actually shorten it or not or whether they just extend the hours but I think the way the modern players are playing the game it's it's in fast forward anyway. Mm. You mentioned uh, Cameron Green we had a call of Jeff earlier on in the program and he said he he thinks he's going to go the same way as Stephen Smith, who was an all-rounder when he first started. He thinks Green's bowling will go by the wayside. Would that be uh, disappointing? And how would you use Green with the ball, considering Marsh is in there as well as an all-rounder? Yeah, look, it's hard to compare the two of them because Steve Smith became so obsessed with being the best batsman he possibly could. And bowling leg spin to pace is obviously a big difference because it's, it's such a hard art to master. And I think... The toll it takes, and both of them obviously, the toll it takes in your body to try and be genuine or ours is is one of those things that you know Cameron Green will have to weigh up. But I think because Steve Smith wanted to be you know as good as he possibly could with the bat, and he's done that, um, the bowling fell away because I remember playing with him when he was a kid for New South Wales, and he bowled very good leg spin. I mean, we had mm. fields where it was warning light fields at the SCG, and one day against South Australia, got eight for, and he just was bowling these absolute ripping leggies, but. In terms of Cameron Green, his best numbers for WA are batting at four, average of 64. I think he'll be better suited to batting higher up the order. Uh, he's still only a kid at 24. He's got plenty to learn, but I see him as being a long-term test player for Australia. So wherever they think, if he does get picked and if he does come in, whether it's opening or whether it's batting at four, I think he's better suited to that um, compared to six. Having done six, it's it's a tough spot because you get caught with potentially the, the tail end of the innings and, you know, situations where you're just chasing quick runs and that doesn't always itself to um, to be able to play long innings, which, you know, is what a young player needs to develop at test cricket. So, um, but he's, he's bowling. I hope it doesn't fall away because we've seen in previous years 
you know, even if he only bowls eight to ten overs a day, much like Mitch Marsh at the moment, those eight or ten overs in the right conditions are good enough to take a wicket or two here and there with his pace and bounce. And mm. um, he is a genuine all-rounder when you look at his numbers, averaging 30 with both. And you know, there's not too many players in Test cricket can, that can do that. But I think his batting numbers will go up in time once he gets more and more comfortable in that lineup and, and more experience. Hey, Solomon, just on the bowling front, obviously, as far as the quicks go, we know it's Stark, Cummins, and uh, Hazelwood is the established trio, and fair enough. But we're all relatively fearful about what we're going to get against the West Indies, just coming back to that test match concern and the future of the format. Would you like to see one or both of Scotty Boland and Lance Morris just get a look uh, against the West Indies, perhaps a chance to, to at least give them some exposure again? Yeah, look, it would be nice. The problem they've got now is because the big bash has been on for the last month, they wouldn't have had, or they haven't had a lot of red mm. ball bowling. So they're mm. only bowling twenty-four balls a night. So another a couple of games each. So yeah, it may. I mean, obviously they've been bowling the nets and all that, but um, it's different compared to coming in off shield cricket and and having gotten through twenty-five overs a day. But look, it's a tricky one because I understand why the hierarchy. Uh, sticking with the same team because they want to win the World Test Championship again. Um, it's only a two-year cycle, so it comes down quick, and every Test match counts. So, I think the hard part about all of this is that the guys that are doing the job have earned that right over a long period of time. The tricky part is is that if they are looking to the future, you know, will there be opportunities? And you, you're guessing because it comes down to injury or maybe a lack of form, although these three and Nathan Lyon are, are some of our all-time greats. So mm. form's never really an issue with any of them because they're all so consistent. So, yes, it'd be nice to see Lance or, or Scotty Boland get another run, but I can't see it happening unless there's a niggle after the Adelaide mm. test. Yep, and they're going beautifully, the quicks, no doubt about it. Hey, Simon, great to have you on, mate. Really appreciate it, as always. Thanks for donating your time and look forward to the next couple of tests at uh, the Adelaide Oval and the Gabba. My pleasure, guys. There's Simon Kadich there, a player turned commentator, of course, with us right here on SEN. Uh, <laughs> hold me to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the way this is cut up by the digital team, uh, Kane, for you. Uh, me too, but more so you. I logged on to news.com this morning, and there's all sorts of uh, fallout from our show yesterday. <laughs> which would, but I don't think I don't think we've got ourselves into any trouble. For those that missed it, you can catch up on the podcast, but. Our thoughts on what may happen next year. I've just got just got one final one. Go on. Um, so the review at the Dogs is fascinating me, and surely they must be on the hours away from releasing those findings of the review, which started on November 13th oh, to their it. fans. It's imminent. At least one of, hold me to this, Chris Grant or Luke Beveridge will depart in 2024. Oh, gee, that's a hold big Hold me to that. Okay, I, I will. I will do Not that. Some sure. of all is that... <laughs> Not sure all is that well between between those two. A couple of ones left over from the text before we take our final break. Nick Dacos will be tagged heavily, won't have as good a season. Elder okay. you and Harry Sheasel, says Craig, will both poll more Brownlow votes than Jason Horn Francis. That's aimed at you. Ben <laughs> maybe Simmons. T- maybe together. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying, I think. Uh, ben Simmons will never play for Australia um, again, coming off the, the text. Uh, all sorts of uh, feedback coming through. Hold me to it. Harvey Gallagher will be a star at the Dogs this year, says Brian, down in the Mornington Peninsula oh, there. I like it. Like it. That was good fun, Kane. Good job. Um, and a great idea. We're powered by Kubota here. For over 40 years, we're making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Julian Stoops floating around. He's going to join us next. Big uh, edition of Mornings coming up.